It is the 200 level episode 224 triple secret probation. Kofi Coburn will be missing three games at the start of Illinois' basketball season. The ruling handed down by the NCAA arbiters of all things moral and ethical, of course. And we will, of course, talk about the impact that this has on the basketball team. And to be honest, if I'm just going to lay it out up front, I'm not overly concerned by it. And I do think that it is a discussion worth having in terms of NCAA overreach, of NCAA tone deafness, but also of you know, oversight, let's say, by Kofi and his people. So we will get into all of that. It is something that we all anticipated would happen. But I got to say that I was a bit surprised at the reaction of some even Illini media outlets. For example, last week, I know the Illini guys, they had a tweet about this very thing and were indicating that this is going to be a much more severe suspension Yet there was not anything other than smoke behind it. Now, I decided I was going to address it just because it was everywhere and it'd be sort of like a turd in the punch bowl and no one's saying anything about it, to borrow a metaphor from George Carlin. And all I said was, if you're looking at a possible suspension, I can't imagine it'd be more than two, three games. It ends up being three games at the end of it. And that if it were only three games, it should not really affect this team too negatively. And in fact, I think there are some silver linings here. But it's amazing how this thing was percolating for about a week and a half, two weeks almost. And I don't know why it took this long for the NCAA to reach a decision or at least for the decision to be announced. Um, You know, three games, what does it even mean? It seems arbitrary to me. There's also the whole discussion about Mark Few getting one game and a couple exhibitions for a DUI arrest. But we will get into all that about how it's probably not a fair comparison. I mean, that goes without saying, but um, I think a lot of people are using that as a, well, what about this case? If he's getting that, then why should Kofi get this? And I don't think it's that simple. But at the end of the day, is this going to negatively impact Illinois' chances at winning a Big Ten or national championship? And I don't think so. And that is the key. It's It would have been something entirely different if, let's say, the suspension went into the tournament that you have the week of Thanksgiving where you play Cincinnati and then the winner of Arkansas, Kansas State, when you really start getting into the meat of that non-conference schedule. But as it stands, um, it is still annoying. It still takes a little bit of the juice out of the home opener against Jackson State. And I will be there in attendance. It should be a fun evening, uh, regardless of Kofi playing or not. Um, But it does give us a few less opportunities to see Kofi. And to me, that's the biggest crime here is that we only get one season, one more season with Kofi, presumably. And I want as much Kofi time as we can possibly get. But instead, we get three games, hence triple secret probation for my Animal House fans out there. Of course, we have Illinois Rutgers to talk about and disappointing. That doesn't cover half of it. It was the worst loss of the season. And if you go back and look at some other previous losses, UTSA, now ranked 16th in the nation, doesn't look so bad anymore. Now that it looked all that bad even a few weeks ago. Maryland, okay, you lost it late, but that was still a surprising, um, surprisingly close game. Purdue, same sort of thing. You lost late, but you are being competitive. We were, of course, disappointed with late game decisions. But this felt different than those. And there's just something about this football program that is so exhausting. I didn't really tweet much on Saturday because we had a bunch of friends down. And quite frankly, I wanted to close the door on that game and just move on with my day and have fun with the people that I was hanging out with. That's what we did. 
But that stupid football program, <laughs> it is exhausting. And sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. And that's why I kind of waited until Monday evening. And fortunately, in terms of programming, we got the Kofi news to talk about too. So plenty to get to today. We will start with Kofi Coburn and the Illini basketball team as they have one week to the day until the season opens up at the State Farm Center. And then we'll get into a very, very unfortunate result against Rutgers that takes a lot of the wind out of the sails. All that and more coming up next. Actually, no, we aren't going anywhere. There's no breaks in the 200 level. There are sponsors, though. DPDO. I'm on at dpdo.com. For all the best deals and prices, go online to dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. You can get a custom zone with any topping that you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. All the line at dpdo.com. And did I say they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana? You don't need to leave home. You could get it for a business lunch. You could get it late at night. They will bring it piping hot to your doorstep at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Plenty of great swag for football, but let's be honest, basketball season, as that has now dawned on us. You have a week to get your new lucky shirt just in time for this basketball season. Go online to fourthandkirby.com. This is vintage-inspired Illini apparel. I have about five t-shirts and the Script Illinois Crew Neck sweatshirt, which is sick, um, as the kids would say, fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy, too, for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great State Farm prices and excellent personalized service. That's brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction Online at rectorconstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. For all your home exterior needs, these guys are great craftsmen. The the customer service is second to none, and if you want a job done on time, these are the guys to go for. You know, it can be tough with contractors. Sometimes you get a date set, and then it just isn't going to happen for, well, months after that. Not the case with Rector Construction. You can count on these guys. Go online to rectorconstruction.com. All right, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And a quick reminder, you can rate and review us online at Apple Podcast. Five stars, of course, is great. If you really, really hate us, put a one-star review. That's fine. And uh, yeah, what this does is it helps us climb up the charts, so to speak. So if someone types in Illini, they see the 200-level podcast. So we really appreciate all the support, especially over the last week where we had some juice for a little bit, right? You know, you had the Penn State win and fans were flocking back to all Illini sports content that they could find. And our podcast is no exception. And now we lost to Rutgers. But fortunately... Fortunately, the timing works out where we can make the full pivot to Illinois basketball, though. I wish I had better news to start with. Kofi Coburn, three-game suspension, triple secret probation. It's bull. We can call it what it is. This was a month before the NIL, the name image likeness stuff, was passed and made official by the NCAA. And first by a lot of states that said this is okay. So this is in June. And he sells basically his player's trunk, old merchandise that he had acquired while at Illinois. And that's a no-no. Now, we will get in a bit why this still was not a wise decision by Kofi, but we can start with this. Regardless of if it were the rule or not, it was a stupid rule. And if there's one thing I've been in this life, 
It is someone that hates arbitrary rules. I hated it from a young age. I hated when a teacher would say, well, this is the rule, and you'd ask why, and they wouldn't have a good answer for it. I was one of those kids, which as a teacher, I I have some empathy for my own students that are like, well, why is it like this? And I'm like, okay, I get that. I, I can roll with you because I was the same way as a kid. I think we can agree that it was a stupid rule. This takes me back a little bit to the Ohio State tattoo gate at the end of the Jim Trestle era. When I remember all those stories were coming out and I thought, well, what's the problem? Morally, ethically, I didn't really have an issue with a lot of what Jim Trestle did supporting his players. And then he gets run out of town for something that I thought morally and ethically was not a problem, especially coming on the heels of Joe Paterno and all that mess at Penn State. But the one thing that I lost sight of then, and I lost sight of actually as the Paterno thing was happening, is that the NCAA litigating things outside of amateurism, that doesn't always end up well. I mean, you can take the Penn State example for when they essentially um, wrecked that program with a bunch of lost scholarships and all that before finally rescinding it and realizing that was probably overreach with what they can litigate. And meanwhile, with Ohio State, of course, it looks like, well, why is Ohio State getting hit just as hard as Penn State? Or so it seemed, right? Um, When the crime was far less bad, for lack of a better, uh, far less awful, far less horrendous. But then I started to realize that these are red herring arguments, that we cannot compare criminal activity like, you know, Joe Paterno allowing a pedophile to run rampant in the football facilities for decades, and Jim Trestle being aware of his guys selling their own merchandise. or I can't even remember the specifics of it, but those are apples and oranges. So to even begin comparing them is silly. Similarly, it's probably silly for us to sit here and say, well, Kofi got three games and Mark Few got one for driving drunk. And then the video got released to Mark Few being rather short with police officers. And trust me, morally and ethically, There is one crime that is far worse than the other, but it is not necessarily the NCAA's job to litigate that. Now, here is where we would 100% agree. The NCAA shouldn't be litigating what they are against Kofi in the damn first place. This is not something worthy of a suspension. And it is another example of the NCAA just not reading the room. We're starting to see national riders, Jeff Goodman, for example, with a hashtag free Kofi. And national writers will pick up on this. And as we know with the news cycle, it may not stay top of mind. But if there were a marquee game for Illinois in the first three games of the season, you would be hearing about it for much of the broadcast. And if it were Jay Billis, for example, he would go heavy on the NCAA for being the hypocrites that they are, right? Or really for being the tone-deaf fools that they are in their little ivory tower over there in Indianapolis. Trust me, I have no love loss for the NCAA. So this is... At its core, a really dumb rule and a silly suspension, especially considering that a month later, the name image likeness rule was passed. I do not know the particulars about whether or not name image and likeness rules allow you to sell official team apparel or game worn jerseys or any of that. I don't know if that's the case or not. Maybe there's something to that. But regardless, I think it's wrong. I mean, you know, wow, what a what a bold statement, Carp. I think it's wrong for a college kid who is trying to make some money off of his own name. It's silly, um, but, but, Kofi and his guys, his handlers, whatever you want to call them, they got to know better. This was in June. 
And I think we have to go back to July when Kofi said that he was coming to Illinois. And I think in June sometime, that was when um, it sounded as if he was not going to be in the draft. I mean, the timeline is a little bit fuzzy to me right now. But regardless, even when he might have thought, I'm going in the draft, come hell or high water, why do something that would potentially bite you in the butt if you did come back to college? It was probably a silly thing to do when he could have done that after he was officially officially in the draft, after he got drafted, and then he can sell his college apparel, no problem, right? And that, of course, did not happen, and he is unfortunately paying the price for it now. If anything, the university probably turned this in on their own accord. You know, they became aware of it, and they didn't want this to become a bigger issue, and that is due diligence by the compliance people, and they should be applauded for just getting this done and taken care of, and I think that them being quick about it probably saved this from becoming a bigger issue or you know, sometime later in the year it comes out, a news story, some investigative piece, and then Kofi's missing Big Ten games. And that would have been a disaster when you're trying to win Big Ten titles and make a run in the NCAA tournament. Those two goals are not at all impacted by this. They aren't. You got two home games, Jackson State and the second team. Name escapes me right now, and I'll look that up. And then you got Marquette, and Marquette is not really... Uh, at least according to Ken Palm, I think they're in the upper 80s. They're not the Marquette sort of threat. I'm, here I am rhyming. A Marquette threat like you would often think they would be, though Shaka Smart is up there for the first year. Okay, Jackson State on Tuesday, November 9th, Arkansas State Friday, November 12th, and then Marquette on Monday, November 15th. Okay, there you go. You do get Kofi back for the tournament on Monday, November 22nd, and the next day. That's Cincinnati and then the winner of Arkansas, Kansas State. And I look at that and say, well, no big deal. You should start 3-0. In fact, if you don't beat Marquette without Kofi, I think you've got problems early in the season. And it wouldn't be anything I would freak out about. But you just got to get this done. And I do really like our chances after seeing what Coleman Hawkins did in that second exhibition game. 16 points, 9 rebounds. And he may not be a prototypical center, but the kid has size and length. He's got athleticism to get up and down the court. And I think that you can basically play small ball. And just shoot the other team out of the gym. Now, post-defense will take a hit without Kofi. And of course, post-offense is going to take a big hit without Kofi too. This is a preseason National Player of the Year, according to, what was it, some Fox Sports thing. Even though I think I think that was what fans voted for. So go figure. Illini fans are so good at voting for these things on Twitter. But he is a preseason, basically consensus All-American. And for good reason. Losing him will be detrimental in some ways, but the long game is not affected and I think could be impacted in a positive way with him being gone the first three games. I think getting Coleman Hawkins more tick is essential to this team having an even higher ceiling. Hopefully, Hutch can be back and healthy because after the first exhibition game, we were all super high on him as we should be, and then he doesn't play in the second exhibition game. Uh Uh-oh. Now, was that precautionary, or are we looking at an injury-prone guy? And I really hope it's not the latter, because he looked great. Trent Frazier took a bump on the noggin, and he seems to be okay, right? I mean, we have not heard anything from Brad Underwood to suggest otherwise, so he should be back. And then hopefully DeMonte, with back tightness, will be back too. I mean, he was working out before that second exhibition game, so that's probably not a big concern. So you do get an opportunity to play around with some other rotations, and I think for three games, that is going to be a benefit for this team. They should start 3-0. 
And then you get to have a lot of fun beginning with the week of Thanksgiving, Kofi coming back. And here's one more thing to consider too. And this is maybe a silly thing to say. I'm not one that ever thinks an injury is going to occur. But when you have a lot to lose, you become that much more aware of what an injury would do, what it would do to your chances. These are three less games that Kofi has a chance of some freak injury. That's that's one way to look at it. Three games that you should be able to win without him. Essentially, you are saving your best player. If you're trying to find a positive spin on this thing, you're serving the suspension early when it should not impact your win-loss record and ultimately keeping him healthy along the way. I hope that this doesn't mean that because his second game back would be against a good Arkansas team, presumably, right? Or Bruce Weber's Kansas State team, which I don't want to mess with that. I don't care how bad they are. I don't want to play Bruce Weber. No thanks. But you just hope that that doesn't mean there's going to be a feeling out process or, you know, building chemistry when Kofi does return. But honestly, when you got Curbelo running the show and the chemistry he already has with Kofi, I don't think you're going to miss a beat. And Kofi just elevates everyone around him. I, I, I don't see that being detrimental when he does come back. It's still stupid, though. You know, I'm not going to lie. I understand why there was a rule like this in place and that if there were not a name image likeness rule that was passed, this would have been probably that much easier of a decision for the NCAA. But you got to read the room. And this is just another example of a bunch of old white dudes over in Indy. Now that it matters that they're white, I, I get it. But that's what they are. It's just a bunch of old white dudes sitting in rooms making decisions and having long meetings, far longer than they probably need to be, and trying to think, well, guys, what do you think is an appropriate punishment for this young man making money off his own name? Which, that tells you the ridiculousness of this entire thing. Somewhat ridiculous, too, was the fervor which, which this built up among the Illini fan base. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not bull. I mean, I, I will say that until the cows come home, for lack of a better idiom, because I've never understood that idiom. Cows come home? What? But this did not require the fervor that it elicited from people. This is over with, or sh will be over with, in a matter of two weeks, essentially. And unless they lose one of those games, who cares? Whatever. Kofi's still practicing. He won't be able to play those games. For selfish reasons, I wish I had two more home games where I could see Kofi play in person. That's a bummer. For people that have tickets to one of those games and maybe aren't attending many others, that's another major bummer. I get it. But damn, maybe I just, I'm on Twitter too much. But the fervor behind this was a little bit much. And then the news comes out in three games. In a way, I'll say that the fervor behind all this actually made the news when it came out much less of a big deal. And I saw three games and thought, oh, well. And, you know, again, maybe that's me trying to sugarcoat it or um, not get angry, like purposefully try to find the positives in this. But three games with this schedule and the team that you already have around Kofi, I, whatever, just get it done. And a new challenge for Brad Underwood and the staff. And I actually think when you look at what Crabello did, for example, in game number two with nine turnovers, a total mess of a game, but he's he's spectacular, but he was very messy. And I think that this team, after that first exhibition game against, you know, the, the scrubbiest team that I've ever seen, no offense to, what was it, St. Francis of Illinois, I mean, they, they were terrible. You know, that, that really was a game that, what's the point of even playing it? But don't get me wrong, I had fun. I think the team might have had a little bit too much fun too. I think that there was maybe this feeling of invincibility 
that was already starting to develop in that locker room. And then they face a good D2 program in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And they win, but not quite as comfortably as they thought. So it was a nice slice of humble pie. And with Kofi out, there was no choice for Curbelo and the rest of these guys to bring their A game and to be focused and not be pulling that stupid crap that they did against Indiana, Pennsylvania. You know, Coleman Hawkins turning to their bench and saying, you guys suck, and then getting teed up. Or Curbelo getting teed up. And I don't even know what the reason was behind that necessarily, but you can't have that. It's the kind of stuff that last year when DeMonte would continually get in an opponent's face and get teed up sometimes, I thought, stop doing that. Don't let a stupid decision potentially lose you a game. So these three games, they have no choice. No choice but to be focused and not do as many stupid things because they don't have as much of a margin for error without Kofi. They should still win the first two games comfortably, and then they get a nice challenge on the road at Marquette. Okay, cool. And I really do like this, especially for Andre Corbello, because there is a transition period from being the third guy, which is essentially what he was at year's end last year, to one of the lead dogs at least the lead dog in the backcourt. This is his team as much as it is anybody's. Um, the, the one X factor here, and I, I think this bears repeating, and I don't want to sleep on this narrative throughout the year. I really do think Trent Frazier is primed for a fantastic super senior year. And it might be silly of me to say that after how he played against the same team that I said was the scrubbiest team I've ever seen, the St. Francis team uh, from... Illinois, somewhere in Illinois. He looked so good. But more than just how he performed, there is this aura or this way that he was carrying himself in that first exhibition game, which almost felt like a guy that was playing completely unburdened. You know, sometimes the older you get, you just learn more things. You're wiser than you were before. And and it feels like it's contagious. It felt like when he was on the court in that first exhibition game, everything was just smooth. He made Corbello calm down. It just everything sort of fell in line when Trent was doing his thing. And most importantly, defensively, again, consider the opponent, but defensively, when Frazier was out there, it was different. Same with DeMonte. I really do think that that is a factor we can't sleep on here, is that Trent Frazier, if healthy, he is primed for his best year. And that would make sense, right? He is, excuse me, going to have to score a little bit more without an IO on the team. He is the defensive leader. <clears throat> so this is does not come as a surprise or anything, but uh, I, I think that is one factor we could consider when you look at the lackluster performance against Indiana, Pennsylvania. No Trent Frazier for a good chunk of that game led to some lapses. So you can't afford that, right? And I think that will be very beneficial to this team as they move into the tougher parts of that non-conference schedule. But end of the day, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I want to see as much Kofi as possible, but it is what it is. NCAA sucks. We knew that. I mean, we've had plenty of experience with that, and we are not surprised by any of this. And now that it's done, it's done. You aren't going to peel it. It's just sort of over. And unless... A bunch of national writers take up the mantle, take up this cause, uh, and then it somehow gets to the doorsteps of the headquarters in Indy. Ugh, no, it's 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 not going to get to that point. So not to say, you know, let it go, but I guess that is what I'm saying. Let it go. What can we do? Not much. And it'll be okay. All right. So that's happy-go-lucky carp. 
talking about Kofi getting suspended for three games, and I'm, I'm keeping it positive until I have to talk Illinois football. And how to start off this conversation. Saturday pissed me off in a way that I had to be very, very cognizant of how pissed off I was and how to avoid staying pissed off. So it was a whole process. How do I ignore it? Usually my defense mechanism, when I'm in the tailgate lots and we're watching on TV, when things start going bad, I just kind of become a smart ass and start making fun of Illinois football. And listen, that's the battered fan syndrome, right? Um, We are so used to being screwed by this football team and this football program. And my defense mechanism is make fun of them. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to say I'm really just tired. I'm tired of them being completely unable as a program. Okay, so I'm talking as macro as it gets. Completely unable to hold on to any momentum. And what we saw Saturday was this really weird microcosm for the entire Illini football experience. In the span of seven days, they managed to give me a feeling not that dissimilar from when they went to the Sugar Bowl and then they went five and seven the next year. You know, losing at home to San Jose State four games after having been in the freaking Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl team. And then four games after that, losing at home to Minnesota and Tim Brewster. So Saturday was a microcosm of that same feeling. Didn't hit me as much because as nice as the Penn State win was, I still recognize that this would be a process and that this is going to take time. But you should still beat Rutgers. That's not a good Rutgers team. And they kind of dominated you. You know, this game was not as close as the final score would indicate. And he had a chance. And the defense, I guess, was serviceable. The offense did not score in the second half, which is pathetic. Um, God, I'm starting to get pissed off just thinking about it. But yeah, what we saw was essentially in seven days time, what we've seen time and time again from one season to the next with Illinois football, they cannot hold on to momentum to save their life. It is remarkable how this continues to happen. Now we can start with the positives. This team on the whole has been competitive. There was a stat that I saw that had Illinois football losses by double digits or more, right? So, I mean, well, double digits. So any, any loss that's 10 points or more, and there have been two this year, UTSA, sorry, excuse me, Virginia and Wisconsin, two, not bad, right? And you compare that to last year, I think there were five, even the year that Lovey took them to a bowl game, I think there were four or five losses by 10 plus points. Go back to 2014, another bowl year, they lost five games by 10 plus points meaning they are more competitive. That is true. The defense is keeping them in games. Let's start with that. There is progress if you just look at margin of defeat, and that matters. It does matter. It's the same way that back in the Ron Zook era, year one, lose big. Year two, lose small. And then year three, they went to the Rose Bowl. Now, um, I don't think the Rose Bowl is in the cards for next year, but we could agree that they are losing small this year. They're hanging in there. That's fine in some ways, but what makes this maddening is that even beating Rutgers, that's not asking a lot. I mean, these are meager expectations. This Rutgers team is still one of the worst in the Big Ten. We just happen to be worse on this given Saturday. And all the momentum from Penn State just evaporates 
on a cloudy, kind of crappy dad's day. Mother Nature has just sucked the last week. So it's a cloudy day. You're trying to get into it. And I reached this point in the third quarter where after Rutgers missed that field goal terribly, I thought, you know what? As long as Illinois wins, I'm happy. You know, I did need style points. I thought after they went up 14-10 going into halftime that they might actually have some style points. You already had the deep touchdown to Isaiah Williams. Brandon Peters played one of his better games, and yet you still lost. I don't how this works. I don't know, but he looked fine, even though he still had some very Brandon Peters-esque plays, and I don't mean that in a good way. But you just lose all freaking momentum, and it's like, God dang, it just beat Rutgers. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And how much of this topsy-turvy, up-and-down crap can the fan base take? And from our spot in Lot 33, because it was so muddy in Lot 31, we could see the East Balcony. And it's a pretty sad display. You know, I mean, listen, it wasn't the nicest day, but it wasn't that cold either. It was in the 50s. And it is Rutgers. I can... I consider that, but it's also Dad's Day, so there was a pretty good crowd out and about within that you know square mile around the stadium. But they didn't really want to be in the stadium. And for those that actually braved the windy conditions and went into the stadium, you couldn't even treat them to a boring win against freaking Rutgers. And I'm just tired of these teams that I root for, specifically Illinois football, find just a myriad of ways to piss down their legs when they have golden opportunities in front of them. Four and five. I would have been happy with them getting to four and freaking five. And they can't even do that. It is maddening. I realize this is not really constructive analysis. I'm not giving solutions as to how they fix this. I'm just saying when. Because I'm at a a point as a fan where patience is so small. And I'm like, I don't care how you do it. Just win some freaking games. And they did that at Penn State, a Penn State team that went into Ohio State and competed, and that win was not a fluke. But even though it was not a fluky win, and even though you dominated Penn State, what does it ultimately mean if you finish the year 4-8 and and there's not genuine momentum on your side? Now, maybe they can still really parlay that Penn State win into something on the recruiting trail. I hope they can. And that Rutgers game is just something where they can brush it off to recruits and say, listen, you know, we showed all the positives against Penn State, and then that next week, nothing went right. Even though the thing is, some things did go right, and you still lost. That's what makes that game so frustrating against Rutgers. Like, in a way, them completely sucking in all phases of the game on Saturday, would have made that game somewhat easier to swallow. But then you see Brandon Peters actually have a halfway decent game, and then you see the defense continue to be adequate. You know, not as good as Penn State, of course, but they were adequate. You know, you give up 20 points in a Big Ten game, you should win. You really should. So I'm sorry, I I still think they did their job. Though, I say all that. (laughs) And back to this idea of like, can someone just make a damn play? Can someone just make a play? Third and nine for Rutgers, deep in their own territory, convert. I think they got another fourth down on Rutgers. That, that, that long drive where Rutgers took the lead. And it's like, thanks, defense, for everything you have done, but make a damn play. Make a play. And they didn't. Now you're trailing 17 to 14. Rutgers tacks on a field goal. 
The defense, at least on that possession, kept them out of the end zone, so it was still a one-possession game. You have a nice drive going on, and I thought, how great would it feel if you just score a touchdown here and you win 21-20? to That would actually have a, a buzz going in the lots, you know? But then the game ends, you lose on a fourth down call that I don't mind the call necessarily, but they snipped it out. But I do mind the fact that on a third and two before that, you have Jakari Norwood in there. And this is not about Jakari Norwood. It's about Chase Brown. You need two yards. Josh McCray apparently had the flu. Now, I don't know if you had Jakari Norwood in there in a bit of cute cute play calling where you think, oh, maybe Rutgers might think we're actually passing on third and two. I don't care. Get Chase Brown in there to get you two yards. And instead, fourth and one, you're stuffed. It's just the simplest crap. It'd be like me being on Madden, right? And I have Derrick Henry on the Titans, and it's a third and two in a late game situation, and I got to convert to keep this game going. But I say, I don't want Derrick Henry. I want my third string running back in there on a third and two because maybe the computer defense will think that I might run a screen or some other pass. It is asinine. And I'm really tired of Tony Peterson a week after having his best performance as offensive coordinator. I'm really tired of this cutesy crap that makes no damn sense. Stop the running back by committee thing and go with what got you there. Chase Brown not being in on that third and two, maybe that shouldn't piss me off as much as it does, but it really does. Because if you convert that, maybe you win the game. And instead you don't, and you don't convert the fourth and one on a toss to Chase Brown, where he was in no man's land because Rutgers snipped it out. Win the game. How you do it, I don't know. You're making a ton of money. You guys are smarter than I am with football. You go win the game against a Rutgers team that had no business winning that game and no business basically outclassing you in most of the three phases. And they did. All you had to do was be freaking Rutgers to keep the momentum going. And you can't even do that. And I know Bielema said today, you know, he's had more injuries this year than he can remember in his coaching career. And that may be true. And he said it wasn't an excuse. It's just a fact. Again, that may be true, but it's football. Injuries happen. I, I, I can't, I cannot find any excuse valid enough to explain away losing to Rutgers at home. And and that's what just blows my mind about all this. If you asked all these Illini fans that are complaining on Twitter, myself included, or complaining into a microphone like I'm doing right now, silly as that may be, if you ask us, what are your expectations? Going into the Rutgers game, I would have said, honestly, I'm still happy with five and seven. Five and seven. I would have been happy. Now we're looking at four and eight, probably, if you beat Northwestern. I think you can. Northwestern's really bad. And they're probably worse than Rutgers, you know? Well, did Rutgers beat Northwestern? God, I need to look. And I can't believe the common opponent thing does it really even matter. But I need to know now. I need to look this up to make sure I'm not getting this incorrect here. Rutgers and Northwestern. What was the score there? Oh, no. Rutgers lost to Northwestern 21 to 7. I, I actually dread now even watching that Northwestern game. I say now. I should always dread watching that game because it's a complete bore and we hardly ever win it. I digress. Five and seven. If you would have said going into that Rutgers game, what makes you happy? Five and seven. And I can't have that. Sounds a little bit selfish. I can't have a five and seven team. But think about it. We are really talking modest expectations here in this stupid football program. And I'm not pointing at any individual, but this collective that have gotten Illinois football to this place of just 
absolute apathy for the casual fan. And meanwhile, I'm like holding on to these scraps of fun that they've given me over the years. These scraps that as a whole haven't amounted to anything compared to what most other college football fans have. Why do I bother? And I know why I do. You know, I was born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. I grew up watching Illinois sports. I'm not going to change teams. And I love football. So, well, there you go. I'm going to continue to root for them, even though it is a very masochistic thing to do. You got to be a masochist to be an Illinois football fan in some way, shape, or form, because you would have quit them a long time ago if not. But man, it's just, and what happens is, this happens when they start losing, and I hate doing this as now a 35-year-old, is you just start like becoming such a damn cynic watching it. And again, I, I gave the context that they are playing closer games this year, but they should still have more wins, you know? I mean, I'm sorry, but you look at Purdue and Jeff Brom gets in there and inherits a complete mess from Daryl Hazel. And he can get some immediate pop going for that program. And I know it hasn't been super smooth for Jeff Brom, but this year he seemed to kind of settle into what he can be at Purdue, which I think is like seven wins a year, doing what they do on offense. He got a big win at Nebraska. They're not going to be spectacular over there, but they get those occasional marquee wins. And then they don't piss down their leg the next week. I mean, that's all I'm asking for. When you have a schedule break like that, okay, emotional win at Penn State, who's your next opponent? No, it's not at Minnesota. It's Rutgers at home. Lucky you. Lucky us that we got Rutgers on the schedule for as much as we did. Well, guess what? You don't get them back until 2024. So your gimme win in the Big Ten is gone. And that should be a gimme win. I'm sorry. As low as Illinois football has been, you damn well better beat Rutgers. I mean, that just, it bothered me more than I thought. Brandon Peters, again, his best game of the year. But there was one pass in particular where he had a guy in his face and he short-armed a throw to Casey Washington, and I was ready to throw something to the TV. That was a complete mental moment right there where you could tell that this is a guy that loses confidence as quickly as he gains it. And I heard today in the press conference Brett Bielma talking about, hey, you know, we're taking steps. Brandon was actually pissed off after the game, and I'm paraphrasing. He was angry that he lost. I'm like, yeah, that's. I'm great that the fifth-year seniors finally figuring out the attitude that one a quarterback needs to have at this level. That's great. Thank you. I'm glad the 23-year-old's finally getting it. That'll take his places in these last three games. Minnesota, it's amazing the difference a loss can make, right? It'd be all too easy to sit here and say Minnesota's going to kick your butt. I don't like the matchup because Minnesota does two things well. They defend the run well, and they run well themselves. And if we're fighting fire with fire, I do think that they are still the stronger team in both of those regards. I also think that that's a team that has momentum right now, and they have a chance to win the Big Ten West. And that's ludicrous. I get it. But they have a chance to win the Big Ten freaking West. If I look at the standings here, Big Ten West, here you go. Minnesota 4-1. and one. And their remaining schedule includes... Illinois, at Iowa, at Indiana, Wisconsin. Might be a long shot, right? It might be. But Wisconsin at home gives them a shot. They got to win two of the next three, and then they can wrap it up with Wisconsin at home. Iowa gets at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and at Nebraska. Might be the easiest one, but they just are not playing well right now. I mean, that, that Purdue game broke them. Purdue sitting there three and two, Wisconsin at three and two, Illinois sitting there at two and four, Northwestern at one and four, Nebraska 
at one and five. Now, here is the dividing line in the Big Ten West. And I think this stat is much more impactful when you look at baseball run differential. But if you look at score differential, the top four teams in the Big Ten West, Minnesota plus 9.5. So they're averaging uh, the average, they average nine and a half points more than their opponent, right? Iowa 9.2, Purdue 5.8, and Wisconsin 4.9. And that's the dividing line because Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska beneath them. Oh, actually, no, this this is going to get good. I'm sorry. I forgot about this statistical anomaly. But Illinois, Northwestern, Illinois is minus 5.8 in terms of scoring differential. Northwestern minus 8.1. Nebraska sitting there at 1-5 and in the worst record in the Big Ten West in the last year of the Scott Frost era. Plus 9.6. They have the best scoring differential in the Big Ten West, yet they have the worst record. I have never seen a team, never seen a team snatch defeat from the jaws of victory like them, including Illinois in the last couple of years. I mean, it's it's remarkable. Nebraska has no business being three and six. They should be six and three. But they aren't. So there you go. Uh, you look at the East, Michigan State, how about that? Like my wife, Michigan State grad. Second year of Mel Tucker, and they're back just like that. You know, what a charmed existence it must be to be a Michigan State fan of any kind. And here we are just, again, looking for scraps from this stupid football program that we can't give up. And I say stupid football program. I'm not calling the people in it stupid. I'm just saying as a whole, Illinois football, what's the damn point is how I feel sometimes. (laughs) It's just silly. That's the kind of stupid I mean. Uh, Ohio State there at 5-0 and as well, so it will come down to really that game between those two, and I know that Ohio State is the likely out, the like, likely winner of this. Michigan losing, man, oh man. They're still good, but it, I, that's not going to cut it there. I, I don't know what you do if you're a Michigan fan. It's amazing the uh, the high cost of high expectations in this case, right, where you really have no margin for error, and he does not win the big game. He can't beat Michigan State and he can't beat Ohio State. And I'm trying to think of a comparison. You know, I I remember like Lon Kruger, for example, couldn't beat Purdue. Drove me nuts. Even though Lon Kruger was a really good coach. I think Jim Harbaugh is probably a really good coach. But he just can't get over the hump against the teams that you got to beat. And then can he really fire a guy that presumably is going to go 10-2 and and beat Lloyd Carr? The thing is, Lloyd Carr beat Ohio State quite a bit. And that made those nine and three and ten and two records a lot easier to take. Maryland sitting there at five and three overall, two and three in conference. Penn State at two and three in conference, five and three overall. Rutgers sitting there at one and four in conference, four and four overall. To their credit, they have a plus two point one differential in scoring. But keep in mind they had some scrubs in the non-conference. Indiana, man, we we can relate as Illinois fans. They had the remarkable season last year, and then out they're zero and five, two and six overall. Scoring differential, minus 9.6. And I know injuries have hurt them, but man, that would suck. It's Because you get that taste of not just a little bit of success, but a lot. And you think you've got your coach, and you think you've turned the corner, but you're still Indiana football. And trust me, Indiana fans, I can relate. I've been down that road way too many times. Frustrating Saturday. I, I am somewhat surprised at how much that kind of ticked me off when I should know better. I feel like a fool sometimes when those games happen because people will ask me before, like, you think they got a good chance? And yes, logically, 
Illinois should have won that game and they should have won it comfortably. I'm sorry. They just should have. So then when they don't, I feel like a doofus for having actually felt like, you know what, Illinois got this in the bag. I even said on that podcast last week that Brandon Peters was due for a deep touchdown. It was going to happen. Like I felt good, 24 to 10 or something like 24 to 13. You get one long passing touchdown. You got the long passing touchdown. You're 14 to a halftime. You could have put it away. And Tony Peterson's got awful offense. And this is the last point. You averaged 21 points a game last year. You're averaging 17 this year. That is not an exponential drop off. I get it. But even the feeling when the offense is on the field, even the feeling of it, I didn't like Rod Smith that much either. But this drop off is not simply explain, explained away by saying, well, Kendrick Green and Josh Matterbebe are no longer on the team. That cannot be the only reason why you have fallen off like this. No one is playing at their max level right now, apart from the running backs. And then some weeks they get the holes from the offensive line and other weeks they don't. This inconsistency is maddening. And I don't know if it's like a tree rotting at the roots and we need to gradually take those roots out. And unfortunately, some of that comes from the roster. And Brett Bielema might get crap for saying that there's a lack of depth on the roster, but I'll take it a step further. Maybe there is something to be said about the fact that the roots of this tree are rotting and that it will take a few recruiting classes. But here's the thing. That doesn't work unless you get good recruiting classes. It doesn't. And my fear is that there's something more rotting at the bottom of this tree, that these roots go all the way down to the program itself, that there's some systemic thing that's keeping us from winning consistently and that no coach is going to be able to figure it out. And until I see a coach figure it out consistently, I'm never going to feel good about it. And it is a hopeless feeling when all I need is a glimmer. All I need is a glimmer to get back on board. And then when they give me that, they pull the rug from under me and every other Illinois football fan. It is exhausting. Figure it out. Beat the Rutgers of the world. Beat UTSA in the second game of the year. I don't care if they're ranked 16th in the nation. Find a way to beat them. And Tony Peterson, find a way to score a freaking point in the second half. Find a way to score a touchdown in the first quarter for the first time in the entire season. Find a way to score in the fourth quarter when it actually matters. I am so sick of that. There's no excuse for the offense to be this bad. Now, is Tony Peterson going to get fired? No. But if I see another Garrick McGee situation where next year it's the same thing and the offense can't score and you're losing games because the offense can't score, I'm going to flip my crap. And I can't say the other word. (laughs) Family-friendly podcast, as you know. I will lose it because I can't take many more consecutive years of this team not winning games. It is not that hard. It's not. I'm sorry. I see way too many mediocre programs find their way to six or seven wins a year. There is no reason why Illinois shouldn't be doing that. And I respect the fact that this is not going to be an overnight project, but I also wouldn't mind a pleasant surprise every now and then. And I don't think that's too much to ask. All right. Not to belabor the point, but I should probably wrap it up. (laughs) I could have kept going, but ugh. All right, 200 level brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, hey, you can get custom zones with any topping you want. 
so you can make it your own DPDO zone or favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Online at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage inspired Alani apparel, football and basketball t shirts and sweatshirts. Online at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior remodeling needs, that's rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renter. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he could be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you, the listeners. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hey, I haven't done this bit of promo in a bit. The music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the 200 level are by my band Decadence. The opening song is Wasted Time, and the closer right here is Out of Your Head from our latest album, Fever Dreams, available wherever music is streaming. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level. Mm-hmm.